0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Friday. The Lakers officially signed most of their free agents on Thursday. And now are they looking at a drama-free offseason? That's next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen to them every day, Monday through Friday. No matter how or where you get your podcast, it's always going to be free. It's never going to be behind a paywall. And Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go hang out with uh, nearly 20,000 Lakers fans, all really excited about the, uh, the work that the Lakers, most of them at least, are really excited about the work the Lakers have done in the offseason, um, Andy. And um, most, much of that work was made official on Thursday as the Lakers finally uh, got around to actually signing all the people that we were talking about and been talking about over the course of the, of the, of the uh, week. And uh, everybody except D'Angelo Russell, who is on vacation. Not some sort of weird conspiracy where he's like been left out and he's going to be part of a shocking trade somewhere else or whatever. Nope, he's just on vacation. Um, but everybody else, Andy, they're all signed and and ready to go and are, and are officially members of the Lakers. So uh, it feels like the start of something. It feels like you know the official beginning of this of this thing. And you know it's interesting. I did. Um, uh, you and I both do uh, work with Spectrum Sportsnet in, in LA, the the TV station that carries Lakers games. I and mean, does their pre and post games and their studio shows and stuff like that, and we we are frequent guests on the network. Um, they asked a question that I guess could be looked at in a couple of different ways. So I'll just ask it in both. They asked me like, who of these guys, who of these free agents that they signed on Thursday, and you can include Russell in there if you if you want because uh, you know, eventually he is going to sign the deal. Um, is the most important and you know the best one that they signed, and you could look at it, I guess. They brought back. You could also look at it in terms of the dudes that um, that are new. When you look at the new guys, Andy, who do you see as like the the best move that they made? The
1: most important, um, like your are kind of your favorite now that, that that things have settled. I mean, the obvious answer, I think, to a lot of people would be on the surface, Gabe Vincent, just because he's the guy that got the most money. He has the longest commitment um, with the if not expectations, certainly the possibility in a lot of people's minds that D'Angelo Russell was brought in to eventually get traded. I think a lot of people already have gave Vincent earmarked as the eventual starting point guard of this team. And I get it, and I do think he's an important part of the new additions. But I would actually say Torian Prince in his own right because in terms of his actual skill set at the forward position, whether the three or four, maybe even a little bit of spot two minutes, that shooting and what I hope will be some good defensive uh, versatility, I think Torian Prince actually provides more of what the Lakers are missing than Gabe Vincent. Even if you think Gabe Vincent is a more accomplished player or or a better player, if that's your opinion, than Prince, I think Prince actually may fill more immediate less fillable needs than Vincent does.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: And I mean I that was
0: my answer right away was was Prince. And it's for what you're talking about. Like he Vincent is a good sign. No problem with it. I like him. You know, he's a good player, you know, but he is essentially Dennis Schroeder. And you know, so you don't get better necessarily. You don't change the dynamic of your team significantly by, you know, kind of replicating the player who was there last year. You know, some people think Vince is a little better. Some people don't. I, I think they are pretty comparable. I mean, you know, night to night, they're going to be pretty comparable. But what Prince does is different, fundamentally different, than what they had last year, because he brings the sort of Beasley-Walker- skill set of like, theoretically, you've got some shooting on the outside and you've, you know, got the, you know, a little bit of a perimeter game and, and some of those things. And he shifts it from the backcourt where, you know, you remember last year, you know, they, they break, go into training camp with like 17 guys who basically play the one, two or three. Um, And most of their threes were basically, you know, tall twos. (laughs) So, you know,
1: short ones, right.
0: (laughs) In the case of Patrick Beverly. And so, you know, by shifting that three-point shooting floor spacing um position to the front court like a legitimate 3-4, now, you know, you can you you get so much more positional uh versatility. That's something that's different than what they had last year versus um you know, different that's just different than what they had last year. It was funny like they they listed you know the the guys when they're kind of putting out the depth chart, they had reddish behind LeBron as the backup small forward, and both Prince and uh, Hachimura as backup power forwards. Which I get, like I understand the you know the the the, the grouping of it, and both of those Wait, guys, Hachimura were, right. and
1: Prince, were both backup forward.
0: They had them both, yeah, you know, because both of them can play the four. But I think it's really so. It's really significant is that you know you have a guy in Prince who can play that ba- you know both both of those forward positions um and whereas last year really t- you know when they they didn't have other than like lebron I'm trying to think like who did they open the season with last year who was a like a like a legit three four as opposed to a two three like when you look at guys on the wing.
1: Juan Toscano Anderson I think would, would be the answer. He'd be that.
0: the only one. Like, I had forgot about JTA but like that is that's kind of crazy. That they that they didn't have that last year. And, and and so just and you know, Prince, I love how hard JTA works. And so Prince is a major
1: upgrade over Juan Toscano Anderson. They were an extremely small team last year. I mean, putting for all the crap that Darvin Ham took and often justifiably for going to three guard lineups and, and this tendency to always err on the side of small. There were times where he legitimately did not have a whole lot of optionality, along, you know, along those lines. You know, now, you know, going into next year, you've got Torian Prince, you've got Rui, you've got Jared Vanderbilt. You obviously have LeBron. You know, depending on if you ever wanted to play someone alongside AD, you would have AD at the four. They just, they just have a lot more balance, size-wise, to this roster. I I think they have. Right. More large, gu-
0: and then you know, then you start to talk about large guards in you know certainly D'Lo, uh, and then if he is able to play, you know Hood uh, Shafino is brings a lot of size um, to that position. As does Christie um, Mac. I was about to say, and then there's Max Christie. So it's like you have you know at six five six six. So you're starting to add, if not bulk, like they are. They are not a bulky team in terms of like big centers and stuff like that, but they're a pretty long team now. And if if you go back to that 2020 formula length was a major part of, of, of that team's success.
1: Yeah. They're still missing some sizing and we've talked a lot about it and we'll continue to talk about it. They need to sign another playable five, but they are a much bigger team to open this season than they were opening last season. Mm -hmm. And, And I think, uh, that's going to be very good for them moving forward.
0: Um, arguably, the the best signing for the Lakers um, was Austin Reeves. When you balance the player to the, uh, the 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 sort of the talent to the dollar figure, uh, the Lakers came out way ahead on that one. Um, why didn't anybody make Austin Reeves an offer that he could sign? We'll talk about that next.
1: Locked on Lakers is brought to you by BetterHelp, and it's easy to get caught up in what everyone needs from you and not to take that moment to think about what you need for yourself. And it's hard to balance being there for a significant other, for your children, your extended family, your job. But again, remember you take that moment for yourself, and we all can end up feeling stretched thin and burned out when you spend that much time just giving for others, and life Doesn't come with a user manual. It's hard to know exactly the moves that you're supposed to be making. And it's easy to feel stuck when life doesn't feel like it's working for you. And and I can personally speak to how much therapy has helped me during a really difficult period in my life for me and my family. And sitting down, talking with someone was huge. BetterHelp has connected over 3 million people with licensed therapists. It's convenient, accessible anywhere, 100% online. There's no waiting rooms. There's no traffic. Plus, it's affordable. So just... Fill out a quick questionnaire to match with a therapist. And if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today for a 10% discount off first month. Again, that's H-E-L-P. slash locked on.
0: So uh, in nature, Andy, there's this thing, you know, like where animals develop like insects or, you know, develop that, like the, the, the brightly colored, you know, the uh, skeletons and stuff. So like to tell other predators, like, don't eat me. I'm poisonous. I feel like that's kind of what the Lakers did with Austin Reeves this off season. Like they just flashed and made it so obvious to the, the rest of the league. Like don't bother sending him a contract because we're going to match it. And the contract never came. like you know the Lakers could offer 56 million or whatever it turns out that that number is going to be. Um, I'm sure wouldn't have batted an eye you know if that that if that number had gotten up to like 70 or 80 million an average of of uh, you know 20 million a year once it's all said and done. Maybe might have batted an eye if it got up to 100 million that that total max that he could have gotten which would have made this third and fourth years of his contracts well over $30 million a season. But those offers never really came. Why do you think ultimately um, he didn't get an offer? Is it just because the Lakers scared everyone away? um, Is relative
1: value? What do you think? Well, I mean, I I think there is something to that, the idea of futility. And you would be essentially wasting your own time. I will admit I am – Not shocked, but I am a bit surprised that nobody put the Lakers to the test. You know, if maybe for a 10% chance that they actually blink and you get the player you want, but the 100% probability that if the Lakers call your bluff, you're actually messing with their books down the road and giving them much larger numbers for Austin Reeves's third and fourth season under that contract. It was interesting. I heard Zach Lowe say today on the Low Post podcast that The Spurs had actually been debating an offer sheet for Reeves, but they never pulled the trigger. He said, quote, I think the Reeves deal has a chance to be one of the best contracts in the league from a team perspective. And the Lakers got very, very lucky that nobody paid them through the nose. I know San Antonio was going back and forth on it. And for whatever reason, they didn't do it. Obviously Zach didn't know the reason. I don't know the reason, but it did get me thinking about San Antonio had been talked about one as one of the teams that maybe would, look to put the screws to the Lakers. But then I started thinking about if it's not San Antonio, how many teams were actually equipped to do it in the first place? You know, especially once like, you know, Houston went quickly after Fred Fred Van Vliet and then Dylan Brooks pretty soon after. The part maybe where I was surprised that I think I overestimated was how many teams would have actually been in a position to do this in the first place. I think... That's maybe where I mostly read this wrong. Not even so much the idea that teams wouldn't want to try to test the Lakers. Again, if for no other reason than just mess with their future books, but just how many teams actually could have done it if they wanted to.
0: Yeah. I think there's, I just, I think ultimately, I, I wonder if this is a, a place where, you know, like San Antonio, for example, If you if you give the first two years of Austin Reeves's deal, we're gonna be are locked in. It's like 25 million, 26 million, whatever it is, which means the the last 75 million of his contract, you know, whatever that you know, give or take a couple million either way, come in the last two years. Yeah. And even if you're a team that doesn't have a lot, you know, that isn't a huge free agent destination or doesn't have a lot of future cap, you know, whatever expenditures, whatever, like that's a lot of money. For us, you know, potentially for Austin Reeds, where you're talking, you know, 70, what is that? You know, 36 million, an average of 36, 37 million dollars a year. I don't think there's a team in the NBA who doesn't have to think about that. You know, you look at the economics now of the, of the CDA and a team like San Antonio. Now you have Victor Weminyama uh, and you have. You know, a couple other young players who you're probably going to need to be signing going forward over there. They, they have some good young talent there. going to keep them all, but also now you're in a position where you probably are going to be looking at trading for potentially a frontline superstar or something like that to pair with Wemby and all this. It's just, I, I think the Lakers caught a real break. I agree with Zach that they just, they caught a break that the, any kind of number that was tolerable for another team that doesn't mess with their own stuff too much was just too easy for the Lakers to match. There was no kind of middle. And we talked about this scenario going into the offseason that Reeves was playing too well to get the contract that he deserved. And that's essentially what happened. Like he just, it's it's the third year of that deal because the fourth year, if he continues on this trajectory, Reeves will almost certainly opt out he'll get a new deal and and get paid a lot more. But the third the, the Lakers are going to have a huge advantage in that third year. Um regardless of whether that's an Anthony Davis team, they've turned it over to something else or whatever to only be paying Austin Reeves whatever it is 14 or 15 million dollars a year. That could be the best bargain in the NBA if he develops into that sort of all-star adjacent type player, you know, sort of the Andre Iguodala, not exactly a superstar, but so good at everything he makes your team better. Like that is just a, a, an amazing bit of fortune for the Lakers that will pay dividends a couple years down the
1: road. And that's also why players hate restrictive free agency like it, yeah. and, and why but it's, not like
0: restrict, it's restricted free agency combined with the weird arenas rule rules sure. that really but
1: you will not you will not find a player that is a fan of restricted free agency no at all i mean and, and this is a big reason why more often than not i think in the aggregate it works against the player than helps them out
0: yeah i think that's true um but yeah th- i think the, the you know the the part that really came out well for the Lakers this year overall was that all of their deals work financially. whether you are a person who thinks they should be spending more aggressively and they maybe they made a mistake by, you know staying under that apron and you know hard capping themselves, which does save them money and, and all that other kind of stuff. Um, they, they were able to do these things with contracts that feel, reasonable i am not convinced gabe vincent is going to be a six man of the year candidate like i think some people are pretty excited about but i don't think there's really a i don't think there's a high chance that you're going to look over the course of the next three years and one and think you're just getting completely rooked by paying gabe vincent 11 million a year
1: no i think he's too good a player for that and by nba standards it's too low of a contract
0: yeah, when you start to list out, the other thing they did was they they listed out all the the players that they signed and the value of their contracts. It really is just a, if you have a chance to be an NBA player, you should. It's really nice work if you can figure out how to get it. Um, Lakers, uh, Andy, are not even kind of involved in all of the big drama around superstars that is swirling, whether that's James Harden, whether that is Damian Lillard. It is a strange place for the Lakers to be. It is a wonderful place for the Lakers to be. We'll discuss it next. So once the Lakers kind of closed the door on the whole Kyrie thing, Andy, there was no... Avenue, No, nothing like it's the first time I can remember that any superstar has ever been on the block where nobody even bothers trying to formulate a way to get that player to the Lakers. And that's what's happened with Damian Lillard and James Harden. It is a a wonderful change, I think, um, from from my perspective.
1: Yeah, there aren't a lot of, I guess. Upsides to having a player, even of LeBron's stature and and still the level that he's playing at in his 21st season. Like the idea of having a guy pushing 40 at, you know, making 40 ish million dollars a year. Like that's, that is never going to be ideal just because in a salary cap league, it isn't. But the upside to where LeBron is in his career right now is that there's only so much pressure he can put on the team to get what he wants or he's going to bolt because how much longer are you planning to do this with LeBron anyway? Like, I'll be honest, you know, LeBron's got this season coming up and then he's got a player option for 2024, 2025 if if he chooses to exercise it. Unless it's at a super, super deep discount, I honestly don't want LeBron past that. Because it's just not practical to have LeBron at the salary that he could still command, even acknowledging what he can still do. Planning around that is not practical for a team. And I'm sure the Lakers have to be, with all respect towards LeBron and all acknowledgement of box office and the economics and putting asses in seats and all that stuff, there's only so much fear about him leaving and like as much as you want to keep LeBron happy, because there's no upside to having a guy of his stature miserable, there's a difference between needing him happy and needing him doing backflips. And, you know, it's not the same pressure as when LeBron was 32. And that's and I'll, the reason I go into all this is that's where a lot of the drama comes from with superstars. It's the fear of exit.
0: There it, I mean I, I would say beyond next year, I, I wouldn't enter into a five-year deal or forty, but like you know, you want to go year to year with LeBron. I'm I'm as long as he's playing well, I'm fine with it.
1: But um but it, but at what price though? Depends on gonna keep going forty million dollars a year? No, he's I would
0: 40 million dollars worth of basketball, sure. I mean I don't think he is. I that's a separate question, you know. But if he's still really good, you know, and and he can help your team win a title, and sure, I don't have a problem with it. But I I wouldn't go long term. Um, but I, it's to me, it's just like you know they, they put themselves in a position and you know where they just like the the physics of trying to add another superstar, play the superstar game, or do it like they they it would have been so hard. But you know it's it's funny like that's I think part of the the reason I think their their off season is getting such good reviews is in part because they've just done normal responsible things that people don't expect the Lakers to do they always expect the Lakers to go after the superstar and you know throw every throw every caution to the wind and go get Russell Westbrook and do all these things and and they haven't I mean to your point about LeBron like I guess if there was a fear that you know add Damian Lillard or I'm I'm going to leave like maybe there is but you know the the other advantage I guess is there's less fear in losing LeBron but also you have A superstar in LeBron who is less, maybe for those reasons, less uh, prone to really be exerting that kind of leverage. I mean, I realized, you know, people looked at the retirement thing as as a potential leverage thing and they look at everything he does as a leverage thing, but compared to what he used to do. But you know what, what though? Cleveland, what he did in Miami and all these things. So, like that, that level of, of laying pressure on a franchise he's not doing that stuff anymore because it's just not nearly as credible because not only does he not want to go anywhere, his family doesn't want to go anywhere. Um, other teams aren't willing to move every mountain to, to, you know, to acquire him. You know, you're not going to empty your, your war chest of everything of every young player and every draftee to, to go get LeBron at this point, like you know, for one year, two years? I don't know. So it's just like the the context is favoring the Lakers to to not have any of this. And um I think you know, the the reality of LeBron and all that. And then it's just finally, it just seems like they've you know, they've got two superstars and they've got other young players and they're still spending a decent amount of money, but it just seems like they've
1: finally turned a corner on that a little bit you know we will never know just how restrained the Lakers would have been if say they actually had the assets and or the space Mm -hmm. to bring in Damian Lillard to bring in Kyrie Irving to bring in James Harden you know if if there were actual avenues for making that happen would the organization have remained restrained I don't know I need a larger sample size. I'll be honest with you. Right.
0: Right. I'll say this. If if you have the material to at least consider a Damian Lillard trade, you should consider right, a that, trade. That, Sure. All I'm saying is no, – I understand is, what you're getting. I, you, yeah. It would have been interesting to see what they do. Yeah.
1: I, that's part of the reason why – it's a big part of the reason why I think the Lakers have not been, certainly by Laker standards, linked to a lot of this, is I think even the loosest of people when it comes to ginning this stuff up recognize there's simply no avenue for making it happen right. and, it's and not and to, to try for the Lakers to have
0: tried to have cleared the decks to open 30 something million dollars in cap space or whatever it
1: might have been sure but for some of these gonna, guys that's not enough I'm, gonna, I'm,
0: gonna, <laughs> I'm sure but even if you even if somebody said you know what guys if you get if you get to 35 million with Kyrie that's good enough for him he'll do it for he'll do a two-in-one for you you know that third year, whatever, like that'll be enough. Like we'll we'll get you Kyrie for thirty-five uh, plus a player option. You know, whatever. Um, the the consequences to that for roster building were so extreme. Um, but it just you know it. it we nobody until they didn't do it. I don't think most people, myself included, were like. 100% ironclad sure that they weren't. I was pretty sure. I was, you know, I would've been sh- pretty shocked if they if they had j- cleared the decks and all that stuff, but it w- there was, you know, just that little piece of 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 saying, well, until they don't do it, they could. Um real quick before we go, like the Lillard thing particularly. I mean, James Harden trading him is a it's a whole other but like the, the, the Lillard thing though, Talking about a guy who's still very well regarded, very well respected, um, and is now it's he's trying to force his way just to Miami and is you know kind of conjuring up uh, a lot of these discussions about like what players owe their stars. These are things that are certainly relevant to the Lakers.
1: What teams um, owe the stars?
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, what teams owe their stars, and you know, should the you know, Portland um, kind of acquiesce here and just send him to Miami for all of the work that he's done for Portland. It's an interesting dilemma where Lillard risks, at least in the short term, torching a lot of the goodwill that he has spent, you know, more than a decade building in Portland.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a bad look if Portland traded Dame somewhere like very broadly speaking, the Hornets, like, they, legitimately, they are forever the example of the place that, like, the, the, the basketball
0: hinterlands.
1: Right. They legitimately owe Damian Lillard more than that. But at the same time, game messaging a bleep fit unless he's only traded to Miami, who, if nothing else, it is complicated for them to come up with a deal that Portland, I think, would legitimately consider good enough. That's a bad look for Dame and and I think Dame I think Portland should try to find a way to get him to Miami if for no other reason than their own optics in this but if they're having legitimate difficulty finding a deal that they think makes sense and eventually Dame refuses to expand like a wish list to I don't know two teams like Portland has a right to prioritize themselves first you know I I think if if they ultimately decide say the best deal they get i'm just throwing this out there philadelphia and they can get dame to a place where it is legitimately competitive but it's not his first choice i don't have a problem with him doing that mm-hmm. you know especially if he's not willing to open up his own wish list wider and i also i don't believe for a second that dame will not Show up to camp, whether it's in Portland or whether it's to some other team. Right, um, because important. A, no, A, I think Dame is just one of those guys who's wired to play. I think he is, and I mean this is a compliment. He's too responsible. I think he's too professional not to do that. And I also think, too, he recognizes he's in his he's starting to enter his mid 30s. Is he really going to crap away one of his prime years and just sit it out? Like I, I don't believe for a second that he would do that. And if he did that in Portland, to be perfectly honest, what difference does it make? Like they're already starting a rebuild anyway. They got yeah. the players to do it. it doesn't matter if he sits.
0: It's it's just an it's an interesting dilemma where everybody kind of did the thing that that makes sense. It was smart for Portland to sign him to the the long term deal and try to you know because you don't you don't until Damian Lillard says he wants to leave you do not do anything to push him out the door. No, nope. I, I don't think. Um, nope. I, I you know some people view this stuff differently. You, you blow it up, start the rebuild. Rebuilding is awful, and can take decades, and <laughs> you may never get back to where you were.
1: And um, all things being equal, he wanted to stay. He wanted to stay.
0: I don't mind. I, I understand. You know, Lillard. You know, being on the fence, and you know, he takes the money, and it's a year later, and now he wants out. You know what, Damian Lillard, he has earned the money. It's fine. Uh, it's it's just it's it's this is one of those situations where when things go south. It is it is impossible for everyone. The closest thing was when I guess was a Chris Paul getting out of Oklahoma City. Um, like you know, wherever he just he just kind of stayed quiet. Was it Oakland when he when he got traded yep, out of like New, New Orleans?
1: I'm sorry, New Orleans.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah where, where he wanted out, but didn't really talk about it much. New and they found Orleans. Right, and they found him a home um, that made sense. Um, but I don't know if he only had one team on his list. So I'm um, curious to see how this turns out. I think it's going to take a while. I don't think Harden and uh, Lillard are going to be moving anytime soon. I think this is going to well, go much closer to the front. In seat.
1: part because their moves might be connected. So,
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, so we'll see. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to uh, hang out and uh, talk about the show and ask us questions. Um, we are moving into summer league. We'll get some more of that stuff for for next week, but really want to answer and take a lot of your questions now that free agency really has calmed down. Uh, Lakers, short of that 14 spot, are pretty well set in terms of their roster. So uh, we'll get into all that stuff next week. Everybody have a great weekend.